0: Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on August the 8th, 2022. I'm back in Bakersfield, baby. This podcast is being written and recorded from an undisclosed trailer, as I will be working in the field on some new Rare Petro projects for the next few months. As I mentioned, content may be a little slow over the next two weeks as we transition and handle some other business, but it'll pick right back up once our interns return to Golden from their summer projects. The last time I was in Bakersfield, I was much closer to the fall and winter season. While I did miss the snow of Colorado, there was something nice about 70 degree weather in December. This time, however, it's a little bit warmer, so I do apologize if you were able to hear the AC in the background. Apparently the saying here is that it doesn't get cooler, it just gets dark. Regardless, my pale pale body could use a little bit of this SoCal sun, so I'll be sure to make the most of it. But you didn't come here to talk about the seasonal weather patterns of Bakersfield. You came to learn all about the most revealing statistics and the best stories in the world of energy. First, of course, we had to take a look at commodity prices. They're still under $100, but they do remain quite healthy. WTI climbed to about $95 last week, but that's taken a dip through the weekend. Right now it's about an even 90, but I don't expect any crazy Monday volatility to push this any lower. We will probably bounce between 90 and 95, which is still a great price when you consider the past two years. Brent is trading at a premium, though the spread has closed to around $6, which is much lower than the $10 plus dollar spread we've seen in the past two weeks. Brent is at about $96, though we are at the peak of summer, with fall right around the corner. As we've mentioned on this show before, winter's likely going to push both of these prices up as gas deliveries from Russia decrease and more countries are turning to coal and oil-fired power. Speaking of natural gas, the current price is about $7.16, though we saw some crazy volatility through last week, which will be the trend for the upcoming future. Just last Thursday, it was almost a dollar higher, though it ended up falling since then. This price will likely see some huge upswings once the Freeport LNG facility repairs the damages from its explosion through September and allows the U.S. to be back at full gas processing capacity. European markets will definitely benefit from this as well because American natural gas prices will go up and their domestic markets should fall in response to keep that balance. Overall, commodity prices may not be where you want them at the moment, but they're still at relative highs compared to the past couple of years. Next is the rig count, which will be a bit harder to be positive about. The most recent report shows us that the rig count has fallen 3 to 764. This is still 273 more rigs than we saw this time last year, though this is one of the larger decreases for the period. The largest increase we saw at a basin level was one rig each for the Ardmore Woodford, DJ Narbrara, Granite Wash, and Williston. The Kenna Woodford lost one, and the Permian lost a whopping four. Ouch. That's a pretty significant Permian decrease. In fact it's the largest of this year as the only other four negative changes were just one rig. Certainly strange but not something to be alarmed about unless this happens again in the coming weeks. State-by-state data reveals that Texas and Colorado are up two and North Dakota and Wyoming are up one. Louisiana fell three and New Mexico fell six so we can see that it wasn't Texas's fault that the rig count decreased. We lost a lot of rigs drilling vertical hole that were targeting oil. The Gulf of Mexico even lost one rig, lowering its total to 14. This week was very close to being much more positive, but activity in the New Mexico side of the Permian seems to be lacking for whatever reason. We'll keep an eye on this for the next few episodes, but like I said, don't worry too much yet. The last statistic to look at involves domestic inventories. Normally, we publish the weekly data for Thirsty Thursday, but with all the travel and prep coming to Bakersfield, it ended up slipping through the cracks. I may have been late a few times, but I do believe this is the first week in over a year that I was not able to get it to you, so I do apologize. Still, that doesn't mean that you don't get to hear about it in this podcast, so let's dig into that data. The EIA forecasted a 600,000 barrel build after a big drawdown from the previous report. They missed the mark and ended up reporting a nearly 4.5 million barrel build, which played a big part in the price decrease last week. The API made a similar prediction of a drawdown of about 400,000 barrels, Though, their reported numbers show a slightly greater than 2 million barrel build. Even motor gasoline inventories increased last week by about 200,000 barrels, which is really small compared to the rally it experienced last month. This leaves it below the 5-year historical range, though not by much. Despite the lower than expected gasoline levels in the states, the price of the pump continues to fall. The US average is just 5 cents away from hitting $4. We may even hit it before Friday of this week, so keep an eye on those signs as you make your way down the highway. The lowest average cost is in Texas at about 356 per gallon, with the highest being, you guessed it, in California at 545. Distillate inventories took another hit, which forces them even further away from reaching the bottom of that historical range, though propane seems to have no problems with remaining within that expected boundary. Overall, a less than ideal movement in commodity prices, a decrease in the rig count, and a build in inventories. Not the best group of statistics we've seen in the past year, but every week can't be a good week. Now I think it's time we get into some current events. You may be asking, what's the latest strategy for conserving energy? Well, in Europe, folks are being advised to stop showering. That's right, the water utility companies in the UK have asked people to conserve water and energy by instead using damp towels and spray bottles to cool off and wash during this heat wave. Customers have responded by saying that these tips are laughable, as they've also been suggested to find a four-minute song to time their shower, or even collect the cold water that comes out as the water warms up. One person went even as far as to say, quote, Are the firms competing to offer the daftest advice? <laughs> Who has an oak barrel, even if there was any chance of rain to fill it? Water firms' hypocrisy is incredible, end quote. I love that, it's very British, daft advice. People are upset that the utility companies are paying millions to shareholders while simultaneously offering this advice. Now this story isn't super significant in the global scope, but it does highlight how people demand their energy. Once we get accustomed to a certain standard of living, it's kind of hard to let those luxuries go. Energy security is important to everyone, and folks are already offering resistance to conservation policies before things get really bad. Eventually, people could be angry and in the streets, and that is certainly a shared concern among European governments as long as Russia continues to withhold gas supplies. Next, we've got some news regarding the trading space. Saudi Arabia typically adjusts the price it sells its crude a day after OPEC has its monthly meetings. This time, Saudi has increased its price of Saudi light for Asian buyers by 50 cents per barrel. This increase is indicative of how Saudi Arabia views oil demand for the future and it seems that they are bullish. Rare Petro agrees with Saudi Arabia as we anticipate demand will continue to increase through the year, meaning that the underlying supply issues will be strained that much more. Though the Kingdom did increase its production quotas, it seems that they will not be doing that anymore in the near future as they hope to decrease international demand for their oil through this price increase. A bullish story indeed. Lastly we've got to take a peek at Turkey, which has now agreed to pay for oil in rubles, at least partially. This protects Turkey from Russian sanctions and allows them to receive consistent energy resource delivery. This was a result of a four-hour meeting between Turkish Tayyip Erdogan and Putin as they ironed out a deal to increase cooperation in the transportation, agriculture, finance, and construction industries while also addressing details for dealing with terrorist organizations in Syria. Turkey is proving to be a useful ally to Russia as they even helped broker a deal for grain delivery between Ukraine and Russia, though Turkey really doesn't have a choice. The country experienced 80% inflation in the last year, which is only projected to get worse without Russia's energy delivery, so their hands were tied. It is imperative that Erdogan does something as elections are right around the corner and his seat is threatened. Everyone's got interest to protect, but Russia's leverage is causing more and more countries to become cooperative. There you have it, folks. Lots of news and current events, though it all points to one thing. Rush is the big dog calling the shots as it sits on a mountain of resources that everyone else needs. Sorry if this episode came out a little bit later than you anticipated, as I'm now about an hour behind. But I do have good news. Rare Petro has posted hundreds, no exaggeration, hundreds of hours of content between podcasts and periodicals, and you can find everything you're looking for on our website at rarepetro.com. Go ahead and enter a search term, and I'm sure you will find something of interest. Thank you for joining us this week. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.